Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. As ever, we hardly even need to do these previews anymore because it's always kind of royal-related scandal to get into. But this week, even more than usual, I think, in fact, we have Tiara Gate to discuss. We will break down what Tiara Gate is and what happened. Also, uh, Megan's assistant, her personal assistant, quit somewhat surprisingly, and we will discuss that as well. All right. We're also going to discuss the Fab Four's reunion over the weekend. But I'm so excited to get into Tiara Gate. This is like a gossip item that fell down from the gods. This is incredible on every level. A lot of you guys kind of immediately tagged us or sent this to us. It took a little bit for us to kind of take it in because it was a lot to process. But I think the context for this really is that the Queen and Meghan... Unless I'm wrong, I feel like pretty much it's been unanimously kind of positive coverage so far. You know, sort of since Megan entered the mix, it's all been about them, you know, bonding over their love of dogs or like, you know, the queen helping her through her family drama. And there have been photos of them kind of laughing, sharing a joke, an inside joke or something, which you don't see as often with Kate. Right, exactly. And they did that kind of joint overnight trip where they took that weird train together uh, overnight, which I never, I still don't really understand. (laughs) And then did those like different appearances together. Um, And I think Josh and I were ready to like green light like a buddy comedy based on the two of them. So then just kind of running up smack against this sort of narrative about the queen being, you know, fully on board, Team Megan. The sun ran. This is I put. I wrote explosive in all caps, which shows how worked up I got when I was uh, recapping this. But it got picked up widely, and basically the report says that the Queen warned Prince Harry over Meghan Markle's behavior and attitude before their wedding, following a fight over the bride's tiara. And just to give a little bit more information about from the report. This is quoting directly from The Sun. Megan initially wanted a tiara for the wedding that featured emeralds, according to royal sources. But the future Duke and Duchess of Sussex were unhappy when told her first choice was impossible, as no one knew exactly where the tiara came from. A new... Julie just made a skeptical grimace there, so we'll get back to that point. A new book by reporter Robert Jobson reveals Harry told staff before the wedding... What Megan wants, Megan gets. Uh, I think we need to like pause here before we even read more. Uh, this yes. "What Megan wants, Megan gets" it sounds like the line like a villain uh, delivers right before the commercial break of some sort of like you know drama-filled TV show. I can't really imagine Harry delivering that kind of ultimatum to a room of staffers, but I love the image of it. It's a line straight out of like that Lifetime movie. Yeah, it would seem more fitting in there. But I want to get that on T-shirts, on some sort of like novelty necklace that Josh and I will wear. I feel like for <laughs> episodes with a different vibe, instead of ending with no bad energy, we should be ending with what Megan wants, Megan gets. Right. And we should also note that this reporter, Robert Jobson, is very reliable when it comes to his gossip. And wasn't he a pre-approved reporter for the Charles book? Yes. Josh? So this is kind of, uh, I was going to get to this at the end, but basically 
one of the theories I read from uh, Lainey, uh, who's like a big celeb gossip kind of guru, she was kind of surmising that, because this report ran in the sun from Dan Wooden, who kind of breaks pretty reliable royal gossip. But it's kind of weird because it sort of feels, and Lainey pointed this out initially, that it was intel that Robert Jobson, the kind of well-respected biographer got, but maybe couldn't include in the book. So he handed it off to the Sun columnist to run, which I kind of feel like makes sense here because it sort of does feel like it's very connected to the anecdotes from the book, but it's like this kind of bonus content, like an extra like DVD feature or something that he couldn't quite get in there. Right. And it adds some interesting context to her assistant quitting. Right. Maybe a little bit of a diva behavior there. So this whole thing about the TR is kind of confusing. So basically, the son says that they were unhappy because they couldn't get her first choice, which had the emeralds. And then she ended up wearing this diamond and platinum tiara, the one she actually wore at the wedding chosen by the queen the well-placed royal insider said megan had her heart set on this tr with emeralds and prince harry hit the roof when they were told it was impossible for her to wear it the providence of the tiara could not be established there were concerns it could have come from russia originally and there was a very heated exchange that prompted the queen to speak to harry she said megan cannot have whatever she wants she gets what tiara she's given by me I love, even if this is completely fantasy fiction, I just love the idea of the queen saying, like, this will not fly on my watch. I kind of want to take this on the road with you as, like, a one-act play kind of style thing. Like, I want each of us to have a chance to deliver these lines as the queen and as Harry. What do you make of this thing, though, of one of the things I wanted to ask? Like, no one could figure out where the tiara was from. I feel like they're so good at having the historical details related to every artifact, like any piece of jewelry any of them wears or like, I don't know. I just, it surprised me that there would be an unclear provenance for this tiara. Right. It just intrigues me because I feel like the Royal family, like we have our own game book of like flaky excuses to get us out of situations. And theirs is so much more exotic than ours is. They can't place the provenance of this tiara, which I guess I can get. Like who wants to be associated with Russia right now? But then is this the one that Eugenie Eugenie, ended up wearing? Yeah, but that's so funny. It's such like it's like when I want to get out of a like drink date with a friend and I say like, oh, I have a work thing. Like this is like the palace example of I have a work thing. Um, like we don't really know where it's from, Megan, you can't wear it. So as Julie correctly notes, a lot of these write-ups didn't really connect the dots fully, but they give you enough to kind of do it yourself because Eugenie had an emerald tiara. So was the Russia quote unquote excuse simply a way to get Megan not to be able to wear it so that Eugenie could have it? Or are they trying to cover up that the real reason was Eugenie had dibs on it? Right. Well, I love Lainey's, she kind of beautiful minded from these different fragments, like a whole narrative that makes so much sense. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you want to outline. No, go for it. So essentially they posit that Megan couldn't get her first choice of tiara. The queen gave her this lame (laughs) excuse. Eugenie got the tiara and it was very much green was such a central kind of color to her whole thematic vision for the wedding and megan kind of as her own form of revenge (laughs) chose the wedding Uh, as the place 
to inform friends and family that she's pregnant, essentially upstaging the bride in that moment, uh, choosing to have that button kind of unbuttoned on her coat when she was very early in her pregnancy. And I don't know, this would line up. I had heard a rumor that Meghan and Harry didn't go to Eugenie's reception and that Meghan demanded a guest list to everyone from Eugenie's wedding. And if she had a problem with someone on that list, asked that they be removed from the guest list. So I did not buy that rumor when I heard it at first, but I feel like it has a little bit more credibility with this diva narrative we're now getting. Yeah, like the, the tiara, it's almost like this tiara um, report is like filling in the prequel we needed to understand <laughs> everything that's happening in the future. Not to right. get too like English freshman high school class about this. Also, I think it's kind of interesting that this doesn't stop there even like the sun report. Cause I, I had seen this story last week, but when I was looking through it again this morning, I didn't realize that there's like all this other stuff they add in there, which is, it almost seems like the queen, like when she got going, she just kind of let laid it all out there. Like she was sort of on like a, one of those like rants where you just kind of like bring out everything that you've been holding back. So it says the queen also questioned why Megan needed a veil for the wedding given it was to be her second marriage. And that is such a bitchy, like, aside that Josh and I would make over drinks and never actually bring up to people. I love that she went there. The message from the Queen was very much Megan needed to think about how she speaks to staff members and be careful to follow family protocols. It's like this tiara thing spun out into the Queen just kind of, like, picking apart everything. Then the son brings it in. Of course, the son can't help themselves but bring Kate into it. So then they kind of add in this other sourcing where it says that Megan and Kate have clashed over the treatment of staff. The Royal Insider added, Megan can be difficult. She has very high standards and is used to working in a Hollywood environment. However, there's a difficult, <laughs> there's a different degree of respect in the Royal household. And Kate has always been very careful about how she has acted around staff. I love this. She's used to working in a Hollywood environment as if like she was always on like intensive Quentin Tarantino sets or something <laughs> where like it was high, like, you know, high stress and like constant. It was like a USA show. I don't think it was like, you know, like she was there barking around at like grips and assistants and things. Right, I love the palace trying to like throw Hollywood under the bus here, as if this is some democratic household where everybody does all the work. And yeah, exactly, know. the palace, like known <laughs> for like kind of being like a Montessori school or something. And also, it sort of seems to me, th like to defend Megan, maybe a little, like it always sort of felt like she treated people. She was sort of low maintenance. Like this kind of plays into the whole thing of where we brought this up when we were talking back in the day about the wedding, like people in the UK thinking she was a bigger star than she actually was. Like it wasn't like Meghan Markle on a Hollywood set was like Angelina Jolie where she could like have, you know, like seven assistants bringing her like different like temperatures of, you know, tea. Like I think the way that they're writing this now, like she's used to having her like Hollywood demands being met, I find kind of funny. Right, she's like Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, as, like you know, uh, a staff of like three people have like you know just dealing with like her grapes or something. 
my question is, what is the official tiara choosing process like? Like, how did Kate go through that? And in Megan's defense, I guess I could understand where that would be a little confusing. Like, was she presented with, like, a binder of photos, and she just thought she could pick whichever one, and the queen was, like, not so fast? Is, I don't know. It is funny. I never really, I hadn't thought much about, like, the tiara giveaway aspect of all of this, but they're sort of making it seem like, have you ever had, like, an office giveaway you know, where, where like they, yeah. they put out all the free stuff or like books or like beauty products or whatever. And I feel like everyone like kind of does a mad dash. Like that's sort of how I'm now envisioning this tiara situation happening. Like the queen has all her tiaras in some like sh- closet somewhere. And like you just kind of sneak in to take a peek. Like it seems so unofficial. Right. I, I just I'm left again with more questions than answers. But I think a big question mark here is how much Eugenie's wedding was involved here. Really, if anyone has any insight into this whole tiara choosing policy, we would love to hear anything about it. I also just feel though like this coming out now, she got back from the tour and then this immediately broke. I'm kind of, I always am curious sort of how these things all come out or is it just purely to promote the Prince Charles book? Because it's very tied into that intel. I think Lainey was kind of positing that now that each royal, William, Harry, and Charles have different offices, they're kind of jockeying for the PR number one position and kind of throwing the others under the bus. And we will speak on this at the end, but when um, they all reunited this weekend, it also seemed to be, it made me realize even more than I had before that this like rumored split thing is going to get a lot of attention. All right, so let's discuss the assistant quitting scandal. Julie, the lead of this Daily Mail article is like one of my favorite leads I've read recently. Working for the Duchess of Sussex must be one of the most glamorous jobs. So how surprising to discover that she's apparently struggling to hold on to key staff members. And then it goes on. This is from a um, Daily Mail columnist. I can disclose that Meghan's personal assistant has quit suddenly just six months after the American actress married into the royal family. It's a real shock, a source tells me. Why would she want to leave such a prestigious job so soon? <laughs> I have to note that in the script, there's just some lines are in all caps. Some lines are followed by about 30 exclamation points. But this report keeps getting better. Josh, you have to keep reading. So then this is me now, not the Daily Mail. The palace did not comment, but the assistant's name was given only as Melissa, just first name only like Madonna or Cher or something Um, I mean the fact that they offered that name like Melissa really is our new patron saint but then the office went on to compliment her so I want to know what does Melissa have on the royals Josh read this it gets weirder and weirder so a Kensington Palace spokesman declines to comment on the departure of the assistant whose name is given only as Melissa However, in a highly unusual move, a palace source has been authorized to pay tribute to her. Melissa is a hugely talented person, the source says. Can I get this letter of rec on my like, LinkedIn page here? Like, Melissa quit after six months and she's getting like a glowing review from the palace. Melissa is a hugely talented person. She played a pivotal role in the success of the royal wedding and will be missed by everyone in the royal household. And then they, like, give examples. Melissa had to deal with the traumatic buildup to Meghan and Harry's wedding. 
and like bringing up the Thomas Markle. What is going on here? Like, does Melissa have some like blackmail information on the palace? Like, why are they giving this like glowing review when she's quitting after six months? This is incredible. Melissa, I know you probably signed an NDA, but please call into our hotline. We will break out our voice distorter for <laughs> for this like very special revelation, this special interview. Do you feel like it they're giving her a fake name or something? Because one of the things I read said that like, there's no record of Melissa anywhere and so no one can figure out her last name. Um, I mean, God knows that if Josh and I had the resources, we would cast a really wide net. We would put everyone off. on this case. Can you imagine if we held like some sort of like got some convention center and just had like all the like Melissa's of a certain like demographic come to the convention center, <laughs> like and just interview them one by one, like hold up pictures of Megan. I mean, Gloria Allred <laughs> is in my building. I should stage some sort of press conference to track her down. I think the biggest mystery here, honestly, is less why the assistant quit after six months and more what was going on with the pa- The palace never gives any quotes about anything, I feel like. And then, and then they're going out of their way to give her name and kind of like an endorsement. I like to think that Melissa is just a genius, like an Olivia Pope. And she essentially told the royal, the palace, like, I'm going to go sell the story unless you give me X, Y, and Z. And this was just the smallest part of her, like, <laughs> departure package. And Harry had to, like, bring, like, some sort of, like, agreement to, like, behind the palace, like, gates or something. I mean, I want Melissa to get a tiara out of this deal. <laughs> Melissa should do, like, a whole press tour. I mean, like, if she didn't sign an NDA, if I were her, I would go try to go on Dancing with the Stars. Like, take this for all its money. Like, you were her assistant for six months. Um, I do wonder, did she go on the Australia tour and then quit the second she got back? Like, I've had it. Right, which I understand between the pregnancy, the banana bread, maybe Melissa was the one dispatched to the grocery store at, like, 3 a.m. Yeah. to get some rotten to bananas and Melissa's chocolate chips. Melissa's been through it, I feel. I feel like she's seen some things. Um, so we have Tiara Gate, we have Melissa Gate, and then I feel like this is one of Megan's weirder weeks, which is saying a lot. And then this all led into the four of them, William, Kate, Harry, and Megan, making a bunch of appearances together this weekend. They were honoring uh, the 100-year mark from world, the end of World War One. So these were very like somber events. They were all kind of wearing, um, you know, the poppies, which commemorate the remembrance of World War One and dark coats and that sort of thing. But for our purposes, what I thought was most interesting to discuss was the first photo that we kind of saw of all of them. And this is sort of with the backdrop of us talking a few weeks ago about this rumored, as Julie alluded to earlier in this episode, like the split between the two brothers. Megan was sort of as far as you could get Megan and Harry from Kate and William in this box, the kind of like royal box at this uh, event, which I thought was kind of interesting. And the Apple News like did actually a push notification, which I thought was kind of crazy, saying that Kate, William, Harry and Meghan reunite in uh, amidst rumors of their like palace split. So like the split is really getting a lot of coverage. And the fact that they like came together to do this like event they were all obliged to attend, I thought was kind of interesting. Like, yeah, what do you think they're going to do? It wasn't like they weren't going to all come to this. But then the next day, and did you see this picture? They posed all four of them with Harry and Meghan in the middle and then William and Kate on either side. So I was wondering if that was sort of a reaction somehow. 
Interesting. I could very much see that. My takeaway was, did you see there's like a video reaction of the queen on the balcony and Kate Middleton leans in to like whisper something to her? And the queen reacts with this grimace. It's like, I'm trying to think of the person we hate the most in the world. If they like interrupted something important to whisper something, that would be the expression on our face. So not having it. Not having it, not having it. Well, that was interesting too, because that was Kate, the queen and Camilla in one box. And then Megan was in a box with the president of Germany's wife or something. Which feels like a diss. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't want to be in that box? Um, But I feel... There there was like definitely some chatter on on Twitter and on the comments about that placement. And then someone just... I saw some one kind of strain of the argument saying, hey, like, you know, William's in line to the throne. Kate's... They're just in different places. I feel like they're definitely... Kate and William whether or not the split rumors are true in the dramatic fashion they are, they're definitely kind of separating a little, I feel. It's sort of, I agree. You get the sense that there's like a shift a bit. And I feel like these holidays are going to be a real test. It's going to be, it's going to be very fascinating to watch them get through this holiday season together. And also if each, um, I mean, each time the four of them come together now, I feel like there's going to be this sort of a, uh, the reports are all going to be oriented around, you know, like how well they're getting along or like, is there actual friction? And, and I sort of forgotten, I feel like when maybe when you were working on your Fergie thing, like I didn't realize how tight Fergie and Diana were at the beginning. And like, I guess they constantly were being photographed, like just the two of them. And they'd actually known each other before they married brothers. But like how people were saying, like other than Wimbledon, like we haven't really seen Megan and Kate doing much on their own Right, just because they're the only two people kind of under that very specific kind of pressure in that very specific kind of role. So you would hope that they would get along because they would be such great resources, support systems for each other. But, Um, (laughs) but, 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 I mean, maybe now that I feel like the pregnancy and when she has her kid, maybe that will actually bring them closer together. Right, right. I hope so. I hope... But I'm just curious how, like, how much of a diva, I would just, I would love to speak to one staff member who has really seen it all to get the diva power rankings of that palace. I mean, what wouldn't we do to have, like, a kind of drinks <laughs> date with Melissa? Do you think it's a coincidence that the Tiara thing and the Melissa thing happened, like, one day after each other? No. I feel like there are no coincidences like the British with press these leaks, somehow, right? Right, exactly. Like, it almost feels like some... I don't know who this person is that has this kind of the whole game plan at work, but... Um, should we... So now we have a few voicemails to get to that kind of comment on things we talked about last week. First, we will hear from Alexis, who uh, has some thoughts on what a surprise... Uh, one of our go-to topics lately, Megan's pregnancy and sort of the timing of all of it. So let's play that now. Hi, Julie and Josh. It's Alexis again. Two things on Megan's pregnancy. Um, I definitely think they should have waited um, and given Eugenie a little more time to shine and not actually tell people at 
Eugenie's wedding, but I think with the royal tour coming up and her clearly being a lot further along than people think, they kind of felt like their hands were tied and felt like they needed to tell people. I think Megan is definitely further along than people think. I had a baby in May, and I think people are saying she's either due or April in April or May, but she's definitely, my guess, at least 15 to 17 weeks pregnant. Megan and I have somewhat of a similar body type, and I wasn't showing like that until I was, you know, that far along. So I think she is pretty far along, and, and that's why they had to announce um, another little pregnancy tidbit. You know, you'd notice on the tour that one second she looks pretty pregnant and the next second she doesn't. You know, when you wake up in the morning, your stomach isn't that big. And then as the day goes on, it just gets bigger and bigger. And I remember kind of being in that exact same stage um, around kind of 15 to 17 weeks. So my guess is she's somewhere around there. And then More importantly, I thought about the banana bread recipe and why the palace refused to share it. And my guess is maybe that Megan is including it in her cookbook that she's doing. And so they don't want to let that recipe out and they want people to buy it. But love you guys. Um, No bad energy. Bye. This is such good analysis. Thank you, Alexis. We love hearing all these different perspectives. So please keep calling in. And then Helen, our London correspondent, essentially. Helen, we have to send you like a T-shirt or something, like a business card, uh, since you've been doing such great on the ground uh, reporting for us in London. A plaque saying what Megan wants, Megan gets. Yeah, we'll send you a what Megan wants, Megan gets pin. Uh, who has some thoughts on the whole Christmas time situation. So let's hear from Helen. Hi there, it's Helen calling from London again. Hope you guys have had a good few weeks. It's been so awesome seeing the Royal Tour down under. Um, but yeah, I loved your episode last week when you were starting to talk about Christmas. I think we can all start to get excited about that. And I think it's just so lovely that Doria has been invited by the Queen to stay at Sandringham with Meghan and Harry And I was just thinking about that when you were debating it on your show. And actually, I reckon it's Charles that was the one championing that. We saw at the wedding how he was kind of supporting Gloria and looking out for her. And, you know, he understands more than anyone what it's like to come from a screwed up family and a divorce and all of that. So I reckon it's kind of down to him. And blimey, Gloria's got a bit of a marathon weekend ahead of her or or week. The, The Christmas schedule at Sandringham's bit full on um i think they do their presents and stuff on christmas eve which is the german tradition so it's all a bit of a topsy-turvy day and what will uh, not just megan give the royal family but doria as well they're going to have to think of two sets of gifts for everyone between the two of them always these fun light-hearted so i was thinking maybe doria is the one that's going to be up in the middle of the night making a pumpkin pie or something american um a bit like the infamous banana bread and then Megan, yeah, I love, love Julie's idea of maybe she's picked up some little trinkets from all the Commonwealth countries they visited. Or I was wondering, maybe she's got the dressmaker to make kind of a replica of that amazing veil with all the Commonwealth embroidery, like as a tablecloth or something to give the Queen. It's going to be something super thoughtful, but 
not an easy crowd. It's hard enough dealing with, you know, normal in-laws rather than having having all the members of the royal family to buy presents for. And then, of course, on Boxing Day, the tradition is the hunt around the Norfolk countryside. And last year, it was a big deal that Meghan had been invited to stay, stay there for Christmas Day, as you said, when they weren't married. And they chose not to attend the hunt. Obviously, it's quite very against Meghan's own beliefs um to sort of hunt the pheasants and the foxes and everything so i hope that they'll be able to escape before that maybe that's the time to escape back to london because that would be tough as well or maybe that's the time to go and stay with william and kate and the hall down the road who yeah just because they've got their country pile not far away they managed to manage to escape some of those some of those traditions and do their own thing good for them anyway we'll wait and see and we'll all look forward to that and uh plenty of other appearances to come over the next few weeks and yeah be great to hear how you guys are too all right thanks so much take care from london bye now i love the theories helen on what gifts megan's going to give to the queen and such right and i love her context of just the sequence of events yes Awesome. Well, yeah, keep calling in, guys. We want, if anyone else, I feel you guys are going to have a lot to say about Tiara Gate and the Melissa situation. So that does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Please remember to check us out on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners and we appreciate it. Please feel free to call in and leave us a voicemail. That number is 347-790-0966. Also feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In The Limelight individually you can reach out to us as well i'm at julie w miller i'm at jay duboff we also are on instagram at in the limelight pod i'm thinking we need to make one of those as a signal or something you know like like political reporters do in case like melissa wants to call us or something we need like a secure line like a safe yes melissa if anyone knows melissa can point us in the right direction please please pass your leads along this episode was edited and produced by brett fuchs uh, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, no, no bad, bad energy. energy. I was about to break into what Megan wants. Me, but... <laughs>